Welcome to this Walnut Wednesday edition of the My Ag Life Daily News Report. I'm your host, Lori Boyer. In Taylor Charlstrom's Walnut Wednesday feature report, he discusses the next steps for the California Walnut Board Federal Marketing Order, a mandatory referendum. And I'll have a check-in with regional and national agricultural news, beginning with regional ag news right after this. Sponsored by the California Walnut Board and Commission, supporting the industry with on-farm innovation through production research, advocacy for government programs, and driving consumer demand. Doing more together. The California Department of Food and Agriculture Undersecretary Christine Birdsong spoke at an event recently held by the U.S. Department of Agriculture's Agricultural Marketing Service at Wagner Elementary School in Winters to announce the award of more than $23 million through the Local Foods for Schools Cooperative Agreement Program. The funds will allow the California Department of Education to purchase and distribute local and regional foods and beverages for schools to serve children through the National School Lunch and School Breakfast Programs. CDFA is proud to be there in partnership with USDA and the California Department of Education to help more students develop lifelong relationships with healthy food, area farmers, and local resilient food systems, according to Birdsong. She said it aligns perfectly with the partnership their CDFA farm-to-school program enjoys with school leaders statewide to promote more farm-to-school activities, school gardens, and integrated food-based education for California students. The announcement was made by USDA Undersecretary for Marketing and regulatory programs, Jenny Lester Moffat, who served previously as CDFA's undersecretary. According to a summary of walnut handlers' reports from the National Agricultural Statistics Service, USDA, walnuts produced by handlers in 2021 totaled 11,845 tons. This figure does not include walnuts purchased from other handlers or producers. The total 2021 walnut crop purchased from producers for whom pricing had been finalized reached 638,449 tons at an average price of 72.7 cents a pound. The price is rounded to the the nearest tenth of a cent per pound and includes all bonuses and allowances. Purchases from producers whose pricing was not finalized totaled 81,567 tons. The average good faith estimate of the final weighted average price for this tonnage was 70 cents a pound. The quality of all walnuts purchased from producers was 720,016 tons for the 2021 crop. This figure does not include walnuts produced by handler or purchased by other handlers. The tonnage produced by the handler plus tonnage purchased from producers for the 2021 walnut crop was 731,861 in shell tons. In the summary of Raisin Handler's reports, free raisin tonnage produced by handlers in 2021 totaled 25,768 tons. The figure does not include raisins purchased from other handlers or producers. The total 2021 raisin crop purchased from producers for whom pricing has been finalized reached 93,120 tons at an average price of $1,696 a ton. This price is rounded to the nearest dollar per ton and includes all bonuses and allowances. Purchases from producers whom pricing was not finalized totaled 98,550 tons. The average good faith estimate of the final weighted average price for this tonnage was $1,329 a ton. The quality of all raisins purchased from producers was 191,670 tons for the 2021 crop. This figure does not include raisins produced by the handler or purchased from other handlers. The tonnage produced by the handler plus tonnage purchased from producers for the 2021 raisin crop was 217,438 tons. 
Brad Sumner with Pacific Coast Trading Company in Portland, Oregon, said on October 26, his operation continues to ship organic onions out of California and Washington. He said demand has slowed a bit. The market is long on reds, especially mediums. And he says that the yellow market dipped a little and the white market is steady. The red market reflects what size people have and how long they are on that size. Jumbos have slid a bit, but mediums are all over the place. Quality, he said, has been good. He has yet to have a quality issue out of their sheds. So far, it's great quality this year for organic onions. He also commented on transportation, saying their biggest lane, Washington to California, is steady, but they will see increases over the next few weeks for sure, heading into Thanksgiving. Sunworld International LLC has announced it has added three importers to its panel of North American licensees. These include Greatman Farms, Pacific Trellis Fruit, and Sierra Produce. The appointments further expand the company's panel of licensed importers to 17 companies. And each of these companies holds a license to distribute and market Sunworld's full line of proprietary grapes in the United States and Canada from licensed Chilean, Peruvian, Brazilian, and South African suppliers. The licenses include the right to import fruit from existing and new varieties developed by Sunworld, marketed under the company's powerful brands, such as Autumn Crisp, Midnight Beauty, Sable Seedless, Adora Seedless, and Scarletta Seedless. Great Men Farms is a vertically integrated grape grower marketer based in Bakersfield, California, with a history of providing premium quality grapes for nearly 50 years. Pacific Trellis was established in 1999. It is headquartered in Los Angeles with sales offices in Fresno, New Jersey, and Arizona. They are one of North America's top year-round importers, growers, and marketers of premium fresh fruit. Sierra Produce is an importer, marketer, and shipper of fresh fruit products sourced nationally and globally. They have over 35 years of fruit import experience. Sunworld International LLC is a global variety development and licensing business. Their mission is to drive the growth of fruit breeding, varietal development, licensing, and agricultural technologies. Bee Hero is the leading almond pollination provider. We deliver measurable and verifiable pollination outcomes for almond growers and turn a previously unquantified fingers crossed gamble into a controllable expenditure. For the first time, growers can know exactly what they are getting for their money during pollination. Bee Hero accurately evaluates your bee's pollination contribution in real time and gives you unprecedented visibility into the progress of bloom. Don't leave pollination to chance. Be sure, be precise. Be Hero. Call Charlie Phillips, VP of Sales at 559-467-9699. Be Hero. Superior bees, superior pollination. In August 2021, the California walnut industry initiated a process to modernize the California Walnut Board Federal Marketing Order Rules Governing Grades, Standards, Inspections, and Certifications. California Walnut Boarding Commission President and CEO Robert Verloop explained the modernization asks from industry. The asks are uh, were actually pretty straightforward, is to modernize some of the uh, grades and standards and inspection rules that were uh, written into the plan or into the marketing order originally back in its formation. And so what has happened over time, uh, and this is not an unusual situation, is that uh, the industry kind of catches up or surpasses the demands of the industry, especially the buying community, you know, catches up and surpasses um, what may have been uh, relevant uh, back at the form- formative stages. Now far, uh, now at this point, at least the marketing order um, needed to be updated because the uh, 
commercial side of the business has far exceeded those demands or those requirements. In April 2022, USDA conducted an open hearing in order to collect input from the CWB, growers, handlers, and public at large. It really uh, does away with the um, need for certification and inspection uh, on the outbound side. So when handlers have received the product, processed it, and are now shipping it, uh, in the past, uh, it fell on uh, inspection group and to certify that uh, it met the minimum standards in the in the marketing order, uh, and so by eliminating uh, the uh, the need for the redundant inspection because there's so much customer specific inspection going on, um, uh, it was identified that it would save about six million dollars, potentially even more, in redundant fees uh, that weren't necessary. And also uh, eliminated the the standards that were no longer relevant to the industry. So um, what that did do is, uh, and it still does, allows the marketing order through the um, the, the Walnut Board uh, to be able to set other standards, um, and those are something that's something that we're in the process of doing right now. The other aspect of that is that the uh, assessments were assessed or were in a sense, build, if you will, at the at that point of when the inspection occurred. That was a triggering mechanism. Uh, since we're no longer having those inspections, um, the industry discussed and decided that it would be on the incoming uh, side. So when handlers receive the product and put it into inventory, that's when the assess assessments will be made. A little bit of a nuance of a difference in that, but um, you know, in, in the past, a finished product was being assessed at uh, two and a half cents. Uh, now the incoming product will be assessed at uh, 1.25 cents per pound. Um, and because the conversion from uh, in-shell to shelled product or the equivalency thereof is about a 50% conversion rate, hence uh, the reduction in the assessment, uh, it really keeps it at parity. So. Um, those were two of the, the, the major driving aspects to this. Um, and I guess in a way, the third one was that um, it, it moved from the outbound to the inbound. Um, and then there was a provision in the marketing order that had rarely been used and that allowed the marketing order through the board of directors to um, set aside a certain reserve, a certain percentage of volume. Um, to be used for at the discretion of the board to either market to the United to the domestic market or internationally. Um, that was a technique that was used maybe back in the 1940s and 50s. Pardon me, but is, it, that's no longer relevant. It, it had not been used in a long time, and so that was more of an administrative cleanup. Um, the other aspects of the the proposed rule that um, you know the hearings. Let me backtrack. The, the hearings in April were designed again for that public comment and, and input. Um, it allowed the industry to present its position and then uh, others could participate in commenting both at the hearing and afterwards. Um, the USDA process is such that it takes all that information into consideration and looks at how to codify and uh, bring on these new amendments or these changes to the rules, making sure that it meets all the, the criteria that USDA has internally for marketing orders. Um, that process is, was completed. It, it went through their, uh, if you will, legal review, and hence the publication in the uh, 
the Federal Register last week. We have a 30-day time frame to ask for public comment. So November 25th, the public comment period will close. At that time, <clears throat> USDA AMS will take a look at the uh, information that was uh, presented by, again, growers, handlers, the public at large. Um, and, and unless there is a um, new information brought forward, at least this is my understanding, unless there's new information brought forward that would substantially um, change the AMS position, um, providing that everything goes smoothly, we would then move into a, a grower vote, which would occur at some point after November 25th. Since the hearing, USDA conducted a thorough evaluation of the requested amendments and published the proposed rule on October 25, 2022 in the Federal Register. A 30-day comment period is provided to allow interested persons to respond to this proposal. All written exceptions received within the comment period will be considered, and a producer referendum will be conducted before any of these proposals are implemented. There is a link where you can submit your uh, comments and uh, straight into USDA. It doesn't come through our office at all. Um, although all comments are public, um, we certainly encourage folks that, that have an opinion to share that. Um, and especially to those specific amendment, amended rules that are being discussed. They're actually very uh, clearly articulated in the summary paragraph that is the, the first part of what was published in the register. Uh, and then the, the supporting documents or the supporting pages rather, you know, outline that in, in much greater detail. You'll be able to uh, consumer or uh, I'm sorry, um, uh, members of the industry will be able to see all the, um, the, the points that were made in the public hearing um, in, my, in not excruciating detail, but in some detail so that people can understand the background behind this and um, have, you know, a, a good uh, basis for information to make their judgments. If you'd like to ask Verloop or other members of the California Walnut Boarding Commission about this referendum, they'll be available at the California Tree Nut Conference in Tulare tomorrow, Thursday, November 3rd, at the International Agri Center. For My Ag Life, I'm Taylor Charlstrom. Sponsored by the California Walnut Boarding Commission. Supporting the industry with on-farm innovation through production research, advocacy for government programs, and driving consumer demand. Doing more together. There's giant potential sleeping in your soil. Under drought conditions, it's never been more important to wake it up. Phycoterra, a superior soil microbial food, activates the native microbes responsible for your soil's health and water holding capacity. Adding Phycoterra to your crop increases water retention up to 10%, and optimizes crop nutrient availability. Plus, it delivers excellent mixability and application flexibility, making it easy to add to your existing crop input strategy. Visit phycoterra.com to learn how you can wake up your soil's giant potential with phycoterra. A new report from Farm Journal shows farmer perspectives on concerns on pathways and barriers to participating in carbon markets. A majority of farmers surveyed revealed significant concerns about overcoming technical and financial roadblocks to having success in the carbon markets. Producers worry that the benefits won't be worth the cost, ongoing compliance regulations will be burdensome, and that existing ag practices they already have in place in our operations will not be fairly compensated. Farm Journal says the initial findings show that even the most carbon curious 
various farmers are saying that participating in current market conditions would require too much time, effort, and resources without fair returns on those investments. Farmers are also concerned about their data and whether it will get handled appropriately or will be difficult to collect. After several years, 97% of farmers are not ready to participate in carbon markets, but 93% are aware that they exist. USA Secretary of Agriculture Tom Vilsack stressed the importance of the Biden infrastructure law in a USA broadband announcement recently, but just a tiny part of the law will go towards the latest funding. The $759 million 24-state three-island effort announced just days ahead of the midterms will be funded by three pots of money. There is a, a regular reconnect program that USDA receives through rural development on an annual basis. There were resources provided uh, early in in the pandemic for assistance and help. And then, uh, obviously, the bipartisan infrastructure bill. And of that $759 million, $468 million, or 62%, will come from the infrastructure bill. But most of the Infrastructure and Job Act's $65 billion broadband dollars won't go to the USDA effort. The FCC, the Department of Commerce, obviously have a substantial amount of money that will be uh, provided uh, in the future as we map out and have a better understanding of precisely where the gaps are. Uh, The other uh, $63 billion that was part of the infrastructure law will then be allocated to uh, to fill those gaps. But tedious FCC mapping of gaps is taking years, delaying the deployment of fiber in underserved areas, while interagency coordination and duplication have also complicated the push to close the rural-urban digital divide. A daily yonder poll of rural Americans shows they're worried about the present, feeling pessimism about the future, and planning to vote the way they did in recent elections. The poll was commissioned by the Center for Rural Strategies and found that rural voters in highly contested states hold negative views about the economy. For example, three-quarters of the respondents say the economy is not working for them. Just over half say they don't expect their financial situations to get better in the next year. A little over three-quarters of the respondents say they think things will get worse, not better, for the next generation of Americans. Americans. The Daily Yonder survey also found nearly half of all rural voters say the rising cost of living is one of their biggest concerns. The second largest concern is government dysfunction. Other top issues include jobs in the economy, social security, rising crime, health care, and the rising cost of food and gas. The USA has launched a new online tool to help farmers and ranchers better navigate the farm loan application process. The now uniform application process will help make sure all farm loan applicants receive equal support and have consistent customer service. For more information, log on to farmers.gov. The 2023 USA Agricultural Outlook Forum is taking registrations for the February 23rd to 24th event, returning to live sessions for the first time in two years. USDA Ag News reporter Rod Bain. Registration is now underway for the 99th edition of USDA's annual Agricultural Outlook Forum. And World Agricultural Outlook Board Chair Mark Jekinowski says for the first time since 2020. After two years of holding this event entirely virtually because of the pandemic, we're going to be back in person this year at the Crystal City Marriott in Arlington, Virginia. However, all sessions will be live streamed and virtual as well. While details such as the theme for the 2023 Ag Outlook Forum are still being developed, and their traditional offerings are known, such as the Thursday morning kickoff session. Chief Economist will give his overall outlook for the U.S. and global agricultural economy. The Secretary will give speech, and that typically is followed by a plenary panel. Registration for the February 23rd, 24th event can be conducted on
online at www.usda.gov OCE ag outlook forum. I'm Rod Bain reporting for the U.S. Department of Agriculture in Washington, D.C. According to a recent study by the University of Missouri, American farmers and ranchers are becoming more and more dependent on off-farm employment and income to make ends meet, which means rural communities are more and more connected to surrounding cities. Researchers say 82% of farm household income now comes from off-farm sources. Rob Fox with CoBank says while that number is high, that does not mean there is mass exodus from the farm to urban communities. Many of those jobs are available for farmers right up the road since rural economies are much more diverse than they used to be. He says farming on average takes up only 10 percent of the typical rural economy. The rest of the economy is highly diversified into uh, services, construction, uh, leisure, uh, professional services, and retail outlets. So I guess I never really saw saw that picture uh, spelled out so clearly as to how diverse the rural economies are. Currently, 6.5% of workers in rural counties are employed in agriculture compared to 15.4% in 1970. Fox says the latest numbers go through 2018, but despite that, feels the rural economy is on the upswing. With telecommuting options or part-time, you may be willing to commute 75 or 80 miles, you know, once or twice a week, right? Uh, So that gives you the option to, to live in more rural communities, and, and that brings professional people with, with higher incomes and ability to support local economies and goods and services. So my conjecture here is that actually the pandemic is going, going to uh, prove to be a uh, good thing in the long term for the, the economy of, of rural America. CoBank's Rob Fox. Do you know the nutrient use efficiency people? Yes, I'm talking about the folks at Verdesian Life Sciences that deliver crop insights and solutions so California crops grow to their full potential. From micros with a proprietary delivery system to solutions that help improve the uptake and assimilation of applied nutrients. Visit VLSCI.com to learn more about Verdesian solutions or to connect with a local representative right here in California. JCS Marketing is your number one way to connect with the ag industry. Through print magazines, digital media, podcasts, and live and virtual events, JCS Marketing has the reach to inform, educate, and influence growers in the Western United States. Everywhere you go, you see West Coast Net Magazine on every one of my customers' tables. So that tells you everything. It's there, so they're reading it. Our My Ag Life platform includes podcast interviews and digital articles for busy professionals on the go. Our live events, continuing education webinars, and virtual conferences help growers connect with leading researchers and industry leaders. Let JCS Marketing help you connect. That will wrap up today's show. You've been listening to the My Ag Life Daily News Report. I'm Lori Boyer. From all of us here at the JCS Marketing Team, thank you for listening. Thank you.